0: we were there in Isaiah 22. And as we've been going through the book of Isaiah so far uh, in Isaiah, Isaiah has kind of been dealing with different nations and different cities, different peoples and preaching the judgment of God to them. And in Isaiah 22, he turns his attention to his own nation, his own city, uh, the city of Jerusalem. And, And Jerusalem at this time is under attack when Isaiah's is watching or what Isaiah is predicting or talking about. He's seeing Jerusalem under attack. If you look at verse 1, the Bible says, the burden of the valley of vision, what aileth thee now that thou art wholly gone up to the housetops? Now notice he finds a city in commotion. Verse 2, thou that art Full of stirs. the The idea there being full of stirs is that they're busy, they're in motion, a tumultuous city. They're in an uproar, a joyous city. Thy slain men are not slain with the sword, nor dead in the battle. Now, what he's saying is that they're 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 busy, they're full of stirs, they're they're tumultuous. And he says, but but your men aren't even going to die. Uh, the men of Jerusalem, they're not going to die as courageous warriors. They're going to die as cowards. Notice the last part of verse two. He says, thy slain men are not not slain with the sword nor dead in battle he says it's not like your men are going to go out and fight for your city verse 3 all thy rulers are fled together they are bound by the archers all that are found in thee are bound together which have fled from far he said everybody's just kind of huddled together in the middle of the city they're all scared they're afraid they're not going to battle verse 4 therefore said I look away from me this is Isaiah Isaiah saying don't 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 look at me he says I will weep bitterly he's mourning for his city he's crying for his city usually Usually we assume, you know, uh, uh, Jeremiah is referred to as the weeping prophet and he did a lot of weeping. But here Isaiah says, I will weep bitterly, labor not to comfort me because, notice, of the spoiling of the daughters of my people. He says, I see this enemy coming. I see this enemy approaching and I see that the men, uh, they're busy, they're tumultuous, that they're they're not going to fight. They're all afraid. They're all kind of bound together. Look at verse five. He says, for it is a day of trouble and of treading down. And of perplexity by the Lord God of hosts. And that, that term host there is a reference to like a great military multitude, an army coming in. He says, uh, uh, the host in the valley of vision breaking down the walls and of crying to the mountains. Look at verse six Elam bear the quiver. With chariots of men and horsemen, and Kerr uncovered the shield. He says, these these different nations they got their tools of war, their weapons together. They got uh, the quiver, the chariots of men. They uncovered the shield. Verse seven, and it shall tum- come to pass that thy choicest valleys shall be full of chariots, and the horsemen shall set themselves in array at the gate. So he's painting this picture, Isaiah. He's saying you're going to look out of your walls, and you're going to look into the valleys, and you're going to see them full of chariots full uh, uh, of, of horsemen, full uh, of this military coming to destroy, coming to take over the city of Jerusalem. He's saying Jerusalem is under attack. Look at verse 8. Not only is Jerusalem under attack, but Jerusalem sets out to per- portray an image of strength. Now, the city is in disarray. Look at verse 8. And he discovered the covering of Judah. And thou didst look in that day to the armor of the house of the forest. He's saying, when this military shows up, what they discover when they uncover the covering of Judah and when they look into the armor of the forest, he said, what they're going to discover, verse 9, is this, ye have seen also the breaches of the city of David. That word breaches means a breaking down. He says, they're going to find the city, it's broken down, and they are many, and ye are gathered together, and and ye gather together the waters of the lower pool, In those days, oftentimes, a a military would come into a city and they would surround the city and no one was allowed to come in and no one was allowed to go out and and, and no food was allowed to come in and no food was allowed to go out and no water was allowed to come in and no water was allowed to go out and they would siege that city and oftentimes, they would starve those people to death till they kind of raise the white flag and and they're getting the the waters of the lower pools together. They're kind of settling down and they're getting ready to be there for a while. They're making sure they got water. They're making sure they've got the things that they need they're not ready to fight but they want to uh be able to survive and they want to look like they're stronger than they are now i want you to notice verse 10 verse 10 is kind of the the text uh, of the of the message tonight in verse 10 he says and ye have numbered the houses of jerusalem now notice this and the houses have ye broken down to fortify the wall the city of jerusalem is under attack the city itself is in disarray the, the, the city is broken down, there's breaches, the wall is broken down, and they get this idea. They said, you know what? Let's look stronger than we really are. And they begin to break down the houses, and they begin to take apart the houses, and they begin to take the lumber, and they begin to take the beams, and they begin to take the steel and the material off the houses, and they, they destroy the houses on the inside of the city in order to begin to fortify the wall. The houses have you broken down to fortify a wall. Now, here's what you got to understand. A city is not a wall. A city is the people... A city is the houses. A city is the interior dwellings of a city. That's what a city is. A city is not a a wall. You don't build a wall and call that a city. You build a city and then you build a wall to protect the city. And these people have it backwards because they're destroying the city to build up the wall so that people on the outside looking in will look in and say, Look at that great city. It must be a wonderful city. There must be a lot of precious houses and a lot of business and a lot of activity going on on the other side of that wall, but really in the inside there was nothing. On the inside, if they, if they were able to uncover, if they were able to go past the wall, they would come into Jerusalem and they would see a bunch of broken down houses. they see a bunch of ghettos. they see a bunch of buildings that are falling apart. they see a bunch of people huddled together, kind of trying to stay together and stay warm and stay safe. And they, they, they would what's being portrayed on the outside would not be the same as what you find on the inside. And in the same way as a city. See, you've got to understand this. You, you do not build the outside. You understand what I'm saying? When you build a city, you don't build from the outside in. You don't build a wall and then say, okay, we've got a wall. Now let's start building some houses and let's start building some buildings and let's get a community growing. What happens is you, you have a community. You start growing. You start uh, populating. And then when you get a city, you say, we've got to defend the city and you build a wall. You build a city from the inside out, not from the outside in. And in the same way, a Christian, like a city, does not get his worth from the exterior. You don't build from the outside in, you build from the inside out. You get your worth from the inside. See, oftentimes we as Christians want to have this portrayal of strength and we want to be able to show on the outside this exterior that looks good that looks strong that that looks like it's defendable like looks like it's something worth defending but on the inside you find a bunch of broken down interior and you got to understand in the same way that these people had it out messed up Christians often have the Christian life inside out. See, you've got to understand a few things. Keep, keep your reading of Isaiah, but go with me to Romans chapter 10, just real quickly. Romans chapter 10. You know, the, you know Romans 10, and it's uh, well-known passages, but I, I, I want to just quickly give you three points about the Christian life, and just like a city, you begin on the inside and you work out. Number one, for those of you that like to take notes, number one, salvation is inside working out. Salvation is inside working out. Are you there in Romans chapter 10? You guys know the verse, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine, can we say the next word together? and shalt believe in thine heart. Do you see that? And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, verse 10. For with the can we say the next word together? heart. Let's do, let's do it again. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You got to understand something about salvation. Salvation happens in your heart. The Bible says, yes, we confess with your mouth, but confessing with your mouth does not save you. What saves you is the belief or the faith in your heart. See, salvation happens inside out. You understand that? Salvation doesn't start outside in. It comes from the inside out. Now look, every religion in the world will tell you, you get saved outside in. I go to church, that's outside. I repent of my sins, that's outside. I get baptized, that's outside. I go to a confessional booth, that's outside. I, I, I put money in an offering plate, that's outside. All outside, the inside, goes to hell. Salvation is inside working out. You get saved in your heart. Now listen, it ought to work out. Go with me to Philippians. You're there in Romans. Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Salvation should work out. Sometimes we preach... Things that salvation is by grace through faith. It's not of works. You believe in your heart. You don't have to do anything to be saved. You just got to believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And people say, well, you guys, you guys don't believe in doing anything and you don't believe in. Look, we go to church three times a week. We, we go sewing on Saturday. We tithe. We read the Bible. We pray. We're telling you to do nine chapters a day. We're not saying you ought not do anything. Salvation does happen on the inside. It's not from the outside in, but it should work out. It should come out. Are you there in Philippians chapter 2? Look at verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Notice this phrase. Work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. A lot of times people would like to take this verse and say, see, you got to add works to salvation. But notice, it doesn't say to work so that you can get salvation. It says work out your own salvation. Now, look, if I'm working my salvation out, then that means it's already in. You understand that? If I'm working it out, then it's in. And God says, you get saved on the inside. Salvation happens on the inside. Salvation is inside, but it ought to work out. It ought to grow. You ought to be growing as a Christian. You ought to be working out the salvation that happened in your heart. Look at verse 13. For if God which worketh, notice, in you both to will. Now the will is on the inside. That's your desire. That's what you desire. I am willing to go to church on a Sunday night. I am willing to read nine chapters a day. I am willing to go go soul winning. He says, for if God which worketh in you both to will inside and to do outside of his good pleasure. So you got to understand this. Salvation is inside working out. I get saved on the inside. I believe in my heart. Now it should work out. It ought to grow. There ought to be. You you should be able to see it on the outside. But you don't get saved outside in. You get saved inside out. I said number one, salvation is inside working out. Number two, sanctification is inside working out. Go to Matthew 23. Matthew 23, look at verse number 25. Sanctification is inside working out. Sanctification is the process of growing. We get saved, that determines where we will spend eternity, but we should begin to start being sanctified, becoming more like Christ. That will determine our our rewards in heaven. Not only is salvation inside working out, but sanctification is inside working out. You get saved from the inside and it ought to work out. And when you begin to get right with God, please understand this. You don't get right with God by doing outside things. Sanctification is the work of God in you. It is the Holy Spirit working on you. Matthew 23, look at verse 25. Notice what Christ said to the Pharisees. Matthew 23, 25. Warn to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Why were they hypocrites? For ye may clean, notice, you may clean the outside. Now, there's nothing wrong with the outside being clean, but there is something wrong with starting with the outside. There's nothing wrong with a city having an exterior wall, but there is something wrong with a wall with no city. And Jesus says, Ye hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but, but, within, they are full of extortion and excess. Look at verse 27. Warn to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are are like unto whited sepulchres, which notice indeed appear beautiful outward? He says, "You're you're like a casket." He said, "You're like a sepulcher. You're like a tomb. You're you're, you're like a when you when you go to the cemetery and, and and the grass is cut nicely and everything's perfect and 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 everything just looks beautiful and, and on the outside indeed you appear beautiful outward but are within full of dead men's bones." and of all uncleanness. Look at verse 28. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. See, you've got to understand this. There's something wrong with a city that's just a wall. If you, if, if you walk up to a city and, and, and it's a wall and you look at this wall and you say, look at that beautiful wall. Look at that strong wall. Look at that strong, you know, that, that, that military strength. And then you walk in and the houses are torn apart and, and the villages are torn apart and nobody, and no, nobody has it. There's no families. There's no community. Everybody's just kind of starving and they're all afraid. You walk in and you say, man, you, you portrayed strength, but on the inside wasn't the same as on the outside. And in the same way in the Christian life, people want to portray all this outside good. Look at all the good things that I do. But you don't get saved outside in. You get saved inside and it ought to work out. And you don't get sanctified outside in. See, there's a danger with this fundamental Baptist movement. There's a danger where we get this idea that there's a checklist. As long as I go to church three times a week, as long as I go soul as long as I read the Bible, as long as I do this and I do that, then I'm right with God. You got to understand this. Being right with God is not based on the things you do. It's based on your heart for God. You understand that you can be faithful to church and the whole time complaining about the fact that you're in church and God says, why are you even here? You understand that you can give financially and say, well, I'm going to give my tithe because that'll make me right with God. But if you're not giving out of a cheerful heart, God says, why are you even giving? You don't get right with God by the things you do on the outside. You get right with God in your heart, inside. You work on that city on the inside, and then the inside will work out. Look at verse 26. Now, blind Pharisee. Now, notice what he says. Cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. He says, look, you start with the inside. He says, you build that city. He says, you build those houses. He says, you build that community. He says, you get that city going. You get that community growing. You get that, 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 that town going. And when it starts growing, then you build an exterior wall around it to defend it. Then you build an exterior wall around it so people will look. He says, you clean first the inside that the outside of them may be clean also. So we said, number one, salvation is inside working out. Number two, sanctification is inside working out. Number three, success is inside working out. Success happens on the inside. Go with me just real quickly to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 39. Genesis chapter 39. Success happens on the inside. Do you know that it's interesting in the Bible? I don't know if you've ever thought about this or ever studied this out. But do you know that in the Bible, whenever God's people are around the world... God's people in the Bible always excel above the world. Do you ever notice that in Scripture? Let me give you some examples. Genesis 39, look at verse 2. We have the example there of Joseph. Remember, Joseph got sold into slavery. In Genesis 39, he's in the house of Potiphar. He's in Egypt. He was under bondage. Genesis 39 in verse 2, we don't see him complaining. We don't see him uh, depressed. We don't see him upset. Genesis 39 two. the Bible says, And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. The Bible says when Joseph got around the world, and when Joseph started working around the world, when it came to the world, he was prosperous. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Look at verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord uh, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Look at verse 4. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. Joseph was a slave, and, th- and Potiphar looks at Joseph and says, you're the best worker I got. You're the most trustworthy guy I've got. You're the best employee I've got. I'm going to put everything in your hands, Joseph, And because everything that you do seems to prosper. Look at verse 5. And it came to pass from that time that he had made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in his house and in the field. Look at verse 6. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he knew not aught that he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Look at uh uh, genesis chapter uh 39 skip down to verse 21 remember potiphar's wife lied about joseph got him thrown in uh, accused him falsely got him thrown in prison in verse 21 we catch up with joseph in prison notice nothing changes he gets to prison verse 21 says but the lord was with joseph And showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hands all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. He was the hardest working guy in prison. In fact, the Bible says anything that got done in that prison, it got done because Joseph stepped up and led the people and did it. Verse 23, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. When you see Joseph, which represents the people of God, working Shoulder to shoulder, alongside the world, you see Joseph excel. You see the favor of God on his life. You see him uh, prosper in everything he does. He's the best employee at his job. He's the best prisoner in the prison. You know, when you go to prison, you ought to try to be the best prisoner there. Uh, Go to Esther, just real quickly. Esther chapter 2. Esther chapter 2. Let me give you another example. You find this all throughout the scriptures. Esther chapter 2. Esther is uh, after... Uh, The book of Nehemiah, you have Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Esther chapter 2, look at verse number 9. Remember, Esther was in Persia, Media Persia. And she gets taken into this thing where they're going to try to marry her off to the king there. And uh, it's not necessarily a beauty pageant, but uh, it's it's worse than that. In Esther chapter 2 and verse 9, though, I want you to notice this. She obtained kindness, the Bible says. Esther chapter 2 and verse 9. And the maidens pleased him, talking about Esther, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her things for purification with such things as belonged to her and seven maidens which were, to meet, which were meat to be given her out of the king's house, and he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Skip down to verse 15. Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihai, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king, she required nothing but that Hegai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed, and Esther, notice this, last part of verse 15, and Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. Look at verse 17. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Go to Daniel. Daniel chapter number 1. Daniel, towards the end of the Old Testament. Daniel, if you if you got your finger in Isaiah, you go uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then you have the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 1. Daniel's probably one of my, one of my My favorite uh, Bible characters. Remember, Daniel got taken as a young man from his home and he got taken into Babylonian captivity. And the Bible tells us about Daniel. If you look at verse Number eight, Daniel chapter one and verse eight, the Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel, notice, into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And here's the point that I'm trying to make. In the Bible, God's people, whenever you see them around the world, whenever you see them in a working environment, whenever you see them in an environment where they're, they're, they're kind of competing with other worldly people, they're always above. They're head and shoulders above. They are better. And you got to understand this. God expects you to be good. God expects you to be great. Skip down to uh, the last part of Daniel. Look at Daniel uh, verse 19. And the king communed with them among them all and was found, notice verse 19, I want you to see. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found, notice, was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, therefore stood they before the king. And all the matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued unto the first year of King Cyrus. Here's what I want you to understand. God's people excelled. Nebuchadnezzar looked down at, at Daniel and at Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, he he says there's none like them. He says they are ten times better than anything that the world has. has. And here's what we understand in the Christian life: not only is salvation inside working out and sanctification is inside working out, but success is inside working out. And you ought to be working at becoming a better individual. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter nine if you got your finger in Isaiah. Going back from Isaiah, you got uh, the Song of Solomon. And then you got the Book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. Look at verse number 10. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 and verse number 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. You ought to be working at being the best person you can be in your role in life. You ought to be working at being the best husband that you can be. The best wife that you can be. The best father that you can be. The best mother that you can be. Whatever it is that you do, you got to be working to be the best because you got to understand this: success in life, success is inside working out. Ecclesiastes chapter nine, look at verse ten. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, notice this: do it with thy might. That says, whatever you do, be the best at it. Work the hardest at it. Do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether that goes. You ought to be working to be the best you can be. In the Bible, God's people were always the best. If they were in prison, they were the best prisoner. If they were in captivity, they were the best captive. If they were if they were around other people, being compared by other people, the world always looked at them. They looked at Esther. They said, you are the best. We have favor on you. We, we think you are better than any other lady in this place. They looked at Daniel. They looked at Shadrach. They looked at Meshach and Abednego. They said, there's no one like you. You're ten times better in your life. You ought to work at being the best you can be for the glory now you gotta understand this success like salvation success like sanctification is inside working out I'm amazed that people they think oh I need my marriage to get better and then they don't do anything to try to make their marriage better they say my, my kids I'm not doing a good job with them and they don't think they think oh I can just be myself and I'm gonna succeed understand something if if the average person was successful, could be could be successful then the average person would be successful You understand what I'm saying? Most people are failures at whatever it is they're trying to do because you aren't good enough. You and me have to work on ourselves. Look, if I was in sales, I'd read every book on sales that I could think of. You understand that? If I was a business owner, I'd grab every book about a business that I could read, and I would learn, and I would grow, and I would understand. If I was a husband, I would find every verse in this Bible that had to do with being a husband. If I had children, I would read every verse in this Bible that had to do about raising kids. Whatever I was doing, I would try to be the best, and it would start in the inside. Because you become a great mother on the inside, and it works out. You become a great husband on the inside, and it works out. And whatever you're doing, you ought to Work at being the best. Because success is inside working out. You don't become a great, look, there ought not be, at your job, there ought not be a better employee than you. There, there ought not be, any, your boss ought to be able to look down and say, the best employee I've got, the best worker I've got, the guy that never misses, the guy that's never late, Is that guy right there. And They ought to be pointing at you. They ought to look at you and say, you're ten times better. You're ten times better than anyone I've got here. Because success is inside Working out. You got to be the best business owner. You ought to be whenever you 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 serve in the church. You're an usher. You're a van driver. You're a soul winner, Whatever it is, you got to be the best at it. Don't be lazy and ah, well. You know I I, I kind of just use these verses and I got look. Try to be the best at whatever it is that you do. And here's how it starts on the inside. You ought to be the best. You you homeschool moms. You ought to be the best homeschool mom. You can be. I, I, don't, I don't believe and I don't agree in the, with this homeschooling and you're in, in your pajamas all day and you skip every other day. Look, that's not right. Be the, there ought to be no kid in this county that's better educated than the kids being educated by their mothers at Verity Baptist Church. You ought to be the best you can be at whatever it is you do. Look, whatever thy hand find it to do, do it with all thy might. Don't let the county, don't let the world, don't let the world look at what you do and say, oh, they're better at it than they are. Because they're a Christian and, you know, Christians are just kind of lazy. Salvation is inside working out. Sanctification is inside working out. Success is inside working out. It starts on the inside. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Let me just show you a couple verses. Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 15. We'll look at Matthew 7, then we'll go to Isaiah 22. Please understand this. Not everybody is what they appear to be. See, Babylon was coming into Jerusalem, and they were investing a lot of money and military and people into the city because they looked at this wall, and they said, look at this wall. I bet you they have a lot of money in there, and I bet you they have a lot of people in there, and I bet you we can get, besieging the city would be a great job for us to go in there and, and work. And here's what happened. When they would come in, they would find out that the outside was a different picture than the inside. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 15. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 15. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You need to understand this. Not everybody is what they appear to be. Some people are going to walk into this church and they're going to look, man, that's a great look at that guy. That guy has got it together. I mean, that guy, if you ever talk about sheep, that's the best sheep you can find. I mean, that is a follower of the Lamb of God. That is a sheep. The Lord is a shepherd and inside he's just a wolf. Please understand that you got to understand that. It's easy. You gotta, it's easy to build a wall. It's easy to build an image. And you better believe that there's people that are going to come in here at some point and try to split this church and try to take members away and try to get people to get mad at other people and criticize each other and get mad at each other and say, well, I can't believe that, brother, so-and-so did that. No, but you see, all you're judging is the wall. And you don't look at the inside. There's sheep in wolf's clothing. You cannot trust the inside. Go back to Isaiah chapter 22. Isaiah 22. Salvation is inside working out. Sanctification is inside working out. Success is inside working out. You ought to work at becoming the best person you can be in whatever area you're in in life. Whatever you do, be the best at it. Whatever you do, put your might into it. Whatever you do, be, be, be found ten times better. God's people were always found ten times better. Isaiah 22. Say, so, well, what, what is the point? Why does it matter? See, you got to understand this. We're real good at start. We're, we're very good at, at building up walls. And, we, and you'll look at people. And you'll say, oh, so-and-so, they must have so much money. Well, why, why do you think so-and-so? Well, I mean, did you see the car they drive? See the clothes they wear? You know, people that wear the nicest clothes and drive the nicest cars have the least money. Say, <laughs> so, why? Because they wear the nicest clothes and they have the nicest cars. <laughs> They're in debt. They have no money. And you look at the average guy that has money, that can do something with it, and he's, you know, he's just dressed normal, wearing, driving a normal car. And by the way, that's why he has money. And we're good at putting up this front. Look at me! But on the inside, you've broken down the houses to fortify the wall. Now here, here's, here's the problem. Isaiah 22. Look at verse number 10. Isaiah 22 and verse 10. Weep ye not, I'm sorry, I'm not in Isaiah, good night, I'm in Jeremiah. Isaiah 22, and verse 10. Here's why it all matters. And ye have numbered the houses of Jerusalem, and the houses have ye broken down to fortify the wall. Ye made also a ditch between the two walls of the water of the old pool. Here's the problem. But ye have not looked unto the maker thereof, neither had respect unto him that fashioned it long ago. See Jerusalem was under attack, and they said, "I know what I'll do. I'll break down the houses and I'll break down the wall, the, the 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 buildings, and we'll take the lumber and we'll build up this wall. So we'll look. So we'll look like we have the blessing of God." Now, here's what they should have done. They should have turned to God. They should have looked for the, the. he says, you have not looked unto the maker thereof, neither had respect unto him that fashioned it long ago. Instead of trying to build up a a, a a an image of strength, they should have looked at the God that originally allowed him to build a city and that originally allowed him to build. They should have turned to God. And you got to understand this. You, you build up this wall and, and everybody just think, I've got the greatest marriage and your marriage is falling apart. And look at my kids. I'm so great. And, and, and you're raising a bunch of devils. And look at me. I've got so much money. And you're losing your house and you're going bankrupt. And look at me. I've got this exterior wall of the spirituality but in the inside you're full of dead men's bones and on the inside you're complaining and you're grudgingly and you're saying I don't really want to I'm just putting up the exterior and you got to understand this what you should do is turn to God what you should do instead of putting up an extra wall is go to the God that would help you build that wall you should have looked to the maker thereof and the one that fashioned it long ago verse 12 and in that day did the Lord God of hosts call to weeping and to mourning and to baldness and to girding with sackcloth and behold joy and gladness slaying oxen and killing sheep eating flesh and drinking wine let us eat and drink for tomorrow we shall die see if they would have turned to God God would have said hey you know what you need to do you need to mourn you need to fast you need to weep you need to get right with God but here's what they decided to do? They decided to throw a party. Because they said, We're gonna die anyway. My marriage is gonna fall apart anyway. Verse 14. And it was revealed in mine ears by the Lord of hosts. Surely this iniquity shall not be purged from you till you die, saith the Lord God of hosts. Here's what you gotta understand. You can build a wall, and I can build a wall, and I can fake you out, and you can fake me out. But there's coming a day when judgment will come upon your city and Babylon is coming and it's going to expose you for who you really are. One day, judgment will come. The walls will come down and we will all see what really was built on the inside. Judgment is coming and everyone's going to see it. It's going to be exposed. The Bible says it will be made manifest. So the question is, Are you building walls or are you building a city? See, I'd rather have an average wall that when you looked inside, you see a beautiful city, the most beautiful city built by prayer and time with God and time with God's people. than to have a beautiful wall and on the inside, you've got no houses and you've got no people and you've got nothing. They should have turned to God. But one day you will be exposed. Remember, Jesus said, take up thy cross and follow me. See, Jesus for for three years, three and a half years, he went around and, and performing miracles, and he went around and preaching, and he went around, and people were wondering, even the disciples would wonder about Jesus. They said, you think he is? Remember John the Baptist even said, are you who we look for? Are you who you say you are? And for all that time, they were wondering, and they were saying, is this guy real? Is this guy really the Messiah? Is this guy who we think it is? And you got to understand this, one day, the cross came for Jesus, and they hung him on that cross. And do you remember what the Roman soldiers said when Jesus was on that cross? There was no doubt when Jesus was on that cross, he said surely that is the son of God and one day the cross is going to come for you and you'll hang on it and it'll expose you for who you really are and one day tragedy will come and trials will come and tribulations will come and Babylon will come and they're going to huff and puff and break your wall down and we're going to find out what you really had so my advice for you is stop being so worried about building walls and start getting worried about building cities. Because you work from the inside out. Let's bow our heads. Father.